Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Hi, Mel. Hi, Anita. I am a robot. Are you a robot? I figured so, so I decided to also be a robot. <laughs> Oh, how's it going, Mel? Oh, you know, just being a widow, helping my mom be a new widow, dealing with the new widow things. And I would like to add something that I have not had experience in was dealing with the person who has died's business. Been a little bit of a nightmare, oh. to say the least. So that's all I'll say, holy cow. And I would like to say there are some sneaky snakes out there. Sneaky snakes, dang it. Sneaky snakes who find out somebody is dead that they used to work with and take advantage of it behind the family's back. That's all I would like to say. That's so wrong. But you know what? We're going to work through it. It's going to be okay. And we have people on our side. So thank you for attorneys. Ugh. But what a pain that you even have to do that. The anger part distracts you from the grieving part. <laughs> whether or not that's good i don't know <laughs> i don't know what it is but the week has gone and we've had some you know ups and downs like usual and my mom's had some of the first raw hard realizations and so one day was super super extra bad and anita came to give my mom a hug because she knows what it's like to be a solo parent i gave your mom a hug i told her she could steal some of my life force uh i've had a terrible week mel 
Yeah, you have. Yes. Sorry, I've not been able to help you. I've been over here. It's okay. Dealing with fire and brimstone. <laughs> it's just like... I feel like it's a confluence of factors. It's the winter in the northern hemisphere, which always lends... I always get kind of the winter blues, the winter blahs around this time of the year. And then COVID is crazy where we are right now. So we had distance learning and school canceled and all of these things. And then I've just had these really weird reminders. And I don't know what's going on with that. But um, today we were in church... And my 11-year-old, all of the other boys in his little group are wearing ties. And my son is not wearing a tie. And I had this, like, horrible moment of, I don't even know how to tie a tie. And then it was like, you know, which is so interesting because sometimes you come to those issues and I'm like, oh, we'll just YouTube that. Like, that is not that big of a deal. Like, we are we are stronger than a stupid tie. And then sometimes it's like, it's the end of the world. I'm a terrible parent. And that's where I am this week. I'm not like, we'll YouTube it. I'm like, I don't know how to tie a tie. And my child looks like he's homeless. And I'm the worst parent. And we're never going to make it. And we should just give up. Ugh. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out how to tie a tie. But I think a lot of the widowed moms right now are saying all in unison. I know how you feel, Anita. Yeah. It's just funny how sometimes it's like not a big deal. And sometimes it's like the worst thing that could ever you could ever come up against. Now, this is not helpful. And it may be rude. But (laughs) my dad taught me how to tie a tie because he didn't have any sons. And so when I was growing (laughs) up, he took me to all the son things. (laughs) Like fathers and son things. So can you teach him how to tie a tie? Sure. (laughs) I remember. I can do a single Windsor. I can't do a double Windsor. Okay. Well, anyway, I didn't mean that to be mean, just to be funny. That's okay. But good luck. Come come visit me when you need a tie tied. And I'm sorry (laughs) that I can't do anything about Jason being gone. Dang it. I know. It's really stupid. And same to you. I'm sorry that Scott's dead, and I'm sorry your dad died, too. It is all stupid and sucky. And to everybody who's listening to this who has a dead person, I'm sorry. Yeah, and if you've just joined for the first time on this episode, you gotta scoot back a couple episodes because a lot's happened. So that's all I'll say. But it's been a year already, and it's only January something. You know what? I had a realization this week because my new tennis partner, who is my friend that I've known for a long, long time. It came to my mind just because I've been seeing more of her since my dad died, since now we play together. And I remember thinking when Scott died, saying to her, I just don't even know what I'm doing. And she's like, you are going to figure it out because look at all of the stupid crap you've already figured out. And I know that nobody really knows how to do this, but if anyone can figure it out, it's you. And I just really remember being like, I have no idea how to do this. Like Normally I'm like, Okay, I'll go figure this out, or I'll figure this out. Okay, so that's back in whenever Scott died, 2017. And then the thought came to me, the last two weeks, I know how to do this. My mom's going through this. I know how to do this. Even though grief and dealing with a dead spouse is so hard and it's different for everybody, I think it's so weird that it's kind of a skill now. And I looked back on that that contrast between being a new widow and then being where I am now and trying to help my mom. And I'm like, huh, I know what to do in a way. At least I'm not kind of 
just left to the beasts of the world. I don't think it's necessarily a great thing that on your resume, you're like, now I am skilled in the aftermath of death. But you kind of are because you've had a little bit of experience. (laughs) You're like good with Excel spreadsheets (laughs) and the aftermath of death. I can edit audio. I can make music tracks. (laughs) And I'm really helpful with the aftermath of death. Yeah. In some cases. Well, but the thing that that I felt was empowerment, and that was surprising to me because these super horrible things, we don't like to hear, you're so strong when we're feeling weak. But the more that I go through this and the more skills I gain, I'm just like, holy crap. That's a lot of stuff that we have all lived through. And it does make me feel empowered and stronger. So is that a plus? I guess so. I'm going to count it as a win. Yeah. Even though I have no control over all of the death and destruction around me. I mean, I think it's great if you can frame it as a win. I think a lot of it is in how we frame it. And we get to make some of the decision in how we frame it. So kudos to you, Mel. But the thing that's so funny is I felt like that and then... The last three weeks, I have to get reminded to shower. <laughs> and I forgot one week to find toothpaste for my t- to brush my teeth. So in, on one hand, I'm like, I'm empowered and yes, let's help everyone. And then I'm like, oh, I probably smell. <laughs> but we're back. We're here for another week. We hope that those of you who are having a rough go at it know that you are joined in solidarity with a bunch of other people and that there are people maybe further ahead of you that understand that you feel like that and that it might not always be that way. There's a whole community. So yeah, come join us in the Widow Wives Club if you want to interact more with people who have been or are in your shoes right now. It's a really helpful community. It's a very safe space. That's why we make you provide proof that you're a widow so that we can be confident that the people in there belong in there and that you can be honest with your feelings. And you know, everybody has such different experiences, even though we're all, we've all experienced partner loss, people are in really different places. We have people who did not have great relationships with their spouse. We have people who were engaged. We have people who were married for a long time. We have people who are married for a very short time. We have people with kids, without kids, our ages are different. And I always find it so interesting that even though our experiences are different, that we can always find common ground in our experiences well and support each other. And that's something that our group does really well that in other groups, I've seen it not work so well, where people start to compare and um, it gets kind of not as pleasant. But our group is really great about that. So kudos to the Widow Wives Club also for being such amazing widows and widowers too. Yes, thank you for joining us, all of you. We are so grateful for you. And we even mentioned you guys in the interview with our next guest, which we are so excited about. But first, we want to let you know about our Patreon. If you love this podcast, and if you are able, and if you are willing, and you would like to help us continue the podcast, please consider joining our Patreon. It is a recurring donation that you can stop at any time, and it starts at $5 a month. You get different things within each of the tiers, and one of the things is a shout-out within the episode of the podcast, and that is at the Widow Bestie level and up. That's the tier that helps Anita get a babysitter so that there's no screaming, (laughs) which, hey, there's no screaming right now. Yay! That is only because of luck. Okay, 30 seconds later, I will have eaten my words. So, 
If you'd like to join the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash WWDN, and we will get to our shout-out. So for our first shout-out, it goes to our secret dead husband, and we say to her, Widow singing in the dead of night, take these broken wings and learn to fly. (laughs) All my life. That's all I've got. Thank you, Paul McCartney, widower. Yes. Once a widower, always a widower. Even if you get remarried three or other times. Next we have Constance Dahlbeck. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Gail Paxton. Ivan the Meisner. Oh, oh, episode is right now. Then we have Kat. Krista Waite. Sam Finlayson. Amy Hartman Martell. Amy Sapp. Ashley Hahn. Brittany Pedro. Hey. Welcome. Chris Steffen. Christina Shiflett. Danielle Catterberg. Not a Debbie Downer. Dennis Brazo. Heidi Hayward. Hey. Welcome. Jenny Taylor. Jennifer Beal. Jennifer Brown. Jennifer Hassel. Jenny Wang. Kathy Murray. Kelly Ford. Spooky Kirsten Stromberg. Her wedding is in just a few days. Laura Bradbury. Lauren Old. Leslie Webb. Marie Hoffman. M.K. Anderson. Welcome. Missy Schubert. Rachel Barbosa. Party. Sarah Morris. Spunky Sylvia Shore. She was spunky this weekend. Do not cross a widow, y'all. Go, Mom. Taylor Snyder. Karen Cornejo. Vicky Spitt. Anna Tracy. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Cindy Raynaud. Mindy Holmgren. I had the craziest, craziest coincidence with Mindy this week. Don Barber. <laughs> I know. Debbie Fells. Deborah Westwood. Diana Becker. Emily Toledo. Aaron Persick. Gabe Lozano. Gia Benoit. Gina Haas. Ian Sini. Ileana Bell. Jackie. Jane. <laughs> Jenny Barrow. Jocelyn Milo. Joy D. Kirsch. Julie Stevenson. Karina Jacobo. Katie Radcliffe. Kara Scara. Laura Keeley. Welcome. Lindsay Kanopka. Lori Farrington. Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Megan Montague. Peter Rukavina. Becky Zyba. Sarah Kennedy. Shannon Helm. Happy birthday this week. Stacy Saywert. Sunshine Haven. Okay, Tammy, you're going to have to help me. Is it Tammy Teravest? Tammy Ter Avist? Ter Avist? Teravest? Tell me. Tammy, just tell me. <laughs> Tara Wallace. The grandmother of all the most glorious Caton de Tulliars in the United States with a new litter, Valerie Packer. And finally, we will end with resin grape wendy remember those that our moms used to make we had those remember those wendy's and my grandma had those yes you had to oh my gosh thank you to all of our patrons it's amazing we are still always shocked and floored at the amount of support you guys are giving us and it just helps us to pay it forward and be able to help more widows because we all know that as widows we need some help so thank you so much if you're interested in joining go to patreon.com slash wwdn if you are not wanting to join the patreon but would like to buy us some tacos go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now 
By the way, I used rescue tacos this week with Mel when she was having a terrible day, and it was a taco miracle. Not even joking. You guys, I told her, I was like, Anita, I cannot have a meeting today. Don't come over, even though I said that we should. I am going to take drugs and have a meltdown. And she came over, and I did not take my drugs, and I did not have the meltdown. It helped me. I'm shocked. And the taco shop that we love has been closed for months because a car ran into the front and broke all the glass, and they couldn't get glass because of COVID, blah, 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 blah. They opened for one day. And we got tacos, and the next day they got shut down again because the glass didn't meet the inspection. Yes, so that taco shop was open for one day, wherein I rescued you with tacos. They knew that it was meant for me because my dad died, and my mom's a widow, and I'm a widow. <laughs> yes, they knew it. It's amazing. And you guys made that happen. By getting us tacos. Thank you so much. And if none of that works for you, that's totally cool. Please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcast. You can actually now review on Spotify. By the way, just I think people protested and they were like, why can you not do that? So you can review on Spotify now. So that would help us. So Spotify or iTunes, Apple Podcasts. But please say nice things and give us five stars so that it helps us to be able to reach more people. And if you don't want to do any of that, it's cool. We get it. We love you anyway. Hey, Mel. What? Do we want to tell them that we are going to be having the best Valentine's Day extravaganza for widows of all time and in the century you guys it's true we've been planning this it's going to be epic join the widow wives club so you know when where and what it's going to be and we are so excited to talk about it in the upcoming days in the widow wives club check it out all right should we get to our episode then i believe so i'm anita i'm mel we're two young widows and we're helping you and helping ourselves try to figure out Widow! We do now. Boop. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. You know, I do a couple of hundred of these interviews a year, at least 200. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, I, I've never been as nervous about doing an interview as I am. About <laughs> <Yes>. this, <one. laughs> this is the one you should be least nervous about. But is it because you don't know what we're going to ask? It's because, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about something that um, is so personal for me. It's, you know, it's a lot more challenging than the stuff I normally do interviews about. Okay, that's fair. Is there anything you don't want us to ask you about? No, I not, you know, I've heard, I've heard your interviews. So I, I mean, I'm, I've 
heard them all up to like 94 and 95. Um, I think there's one that I haven't listened to yet. Uh, <laughs> just listened to the Creepers one, which <laughs> on, on behalf of men everywhere, I'd like to apologize. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for not being a creeper. Oh, yourself. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I am, um, you know, you, you don't usually go into topics that are uh, inappropriate. So, you know, when I do interviews, I don't talk sex in detail anyway, and, 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 and politics, religion. I, I stay out of that as a rule um, just because BNI does. I think we should only just ask him about sex, politics, and religion now. So who did you vote for? <laughs> I, I, I won't answer that one. You know us. We're scared of our moms. So anything that's like <laughs> like divisive, we're terrified we of asking. So I'm so excited. Is it because we're only going to talk about sex, politics, and religion? Yes. Today, we have decided that those are the only topics we're going to cover, and we're only going to say swear words, too. Only. Yeah. For our moms. <laughs> you ladies are bad. Okay. It's not true. We're not going to do any of that. <laughs> we're just kidding. We're scared of all those topics, but we're not scared of talking about death to other people who have experienced death. So here we are. Today, our guest is the one and only Ivan Meisner. Hi. Hello, ladies. It's great to see you. Thank you for being here. We have talked to you a lot, but never on the podcast. So this is a new thing for us. We're so excited for everybody else to get to hear your story. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm kind of excited to be here. I mean, I do a lot of interviews, but um, never on this topic. So this is uh, a little bit nerve wracking. For- We're kind of excited that you feel a little nervous. We want people <laughs> to feel just a little nervous when they when they talk to us. Ivan, where are you recording from? Uh, this is my home office in Austin, Texas, and uh, it, I, I, you know, it's a great little story about this house. It was my wife's dream house. You know, I told her, uh, get any house you want. I, we were in Austin for a, a couple of years, and I said, we're ready. Buy whatever house you want. I don't care. Um, here's the budget. I just want a couple of things. I want my own office. I don't want to turn a bedroom into an office, and I want a wine cellar. She was gone one day. Found it, came back, said, I found my dream house. I came here. It didn't have either of those things. <laughs> I, love I was that. like, really? Really? You, you know, I just wanted two things. And that's when I learned she should have been in sales because she said, she said, look, you see this land right here next to the house? Build your dream office, honey. Whatever your dream office is. And I said, what about the wine cellar? She said, well, there's a storage room under the house. Build your dream wine cellar. <laughs> and so uh, I built my dream office and my dream wine cellar. That's so funny. So is it separate from the main house? It is, yeah. Oh. She kicked yeah, you out it, that early? She was like, get out of my new house. My new, my <laughs> new dream house. I'll, I'll uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, having the separate office actually kind of made it feel like I was going to work. I was just going to say, like, she is wise because if you are doing work from home, it's easy just to never leave. So at least you have to leave the house and maybe take a few steps. I do. 52 steps. Now, Ivan, if people have listened to any of our podcasts, they will have heard your wife's name before because you are one of our amazing sponsors in memory of your wife. So you guys have heard her name before. Her name's Elizabeth. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, I met Elizabeth uh, in BNI, in the company I started. Um, She was a member of BNI, and we met uh, at a BNI meeting, uh, 
I, at the time I was in a relationship, so I really didn't, uh, I mean, I met her and I didn't see her again for probably about two years. And uh, she reached out to me two years later and said, Hey, I, I'm, don't know if you remember me. And at, at this point, I was no longer in that relationship. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, I remember you. You're, you're beautiful. I know I didn't say that, but that's what was going through my head. And uh, she asked if I would come visit the chapter that she was now uh, running for BNI. And uh, it was it was like a two-hour drive to go, but I was actually almost a three-hour drive, but I was happy to do that. And, and, and uh, I took her out for dinner and uh, the rest is sort of history. So you didn't play hard to get? No, no, no. But I, you know what? I I was a perfect gentleman on our first date, and um, and I think I think she appreciated that. So tell us what BNI is. We know, but for those who don't know, tell us. Yeah, BNI is a a business and professional networking organization that allows one person per profession to join one of the groups. Uh, we have ten thousand four hundred groups in more than seventy countries around the world. Uh, we get together every week and we pass each other referrals. When the last 12 months, the organization passed over 12 million referrals and generated 18 billion, with a B, $18 billion worth of business for our members. Um, I would just like to tell a short story. So one day I was going to one of my structural integration appointments and I was waiting for my therapist, who happened to be the owner of the company, and somebody... Was she ended up being in the lobby, and then so did another person that had seen a different therapist, and they were crossing paths, and he was like, oh, hey, oh, hey, and they were like, oh, it's good to see you. We had so much fun back in the good old BNI days, and I was like, wait, and I'm like, okay, I'm interjecting because this is just weird. I was like, are you guys talking about, like, BNI, like, Ivan Meisner BNI? They're like, yes, he's so amazing. He's such a visionary, and then they went off on, like, Ivan Meisner, like, praise, and I was like, yeah. I know him. And they were like, you're so cool. So then I tell Ivan, and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a big fish in a small pond. But I would like to say, first of all, it's super weird synchronicity that all of that happened at my little appointment. And I don't think you're that small of a deal. <laughs> I don't. Like, I think your pond is bigger than you say. That's all I wanted to say. The end. Well, <laughs> You're very nice. Uh, I I am a big fish in a small pond, though. I mean, in the bigger scheme of things, um, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I'm I'm known well by uh, you know a couple hundred thousand people, not millions. Okay, we're known by like five people, and you're one of them. <laughs> well, you know what though, you have an audience that goes deep. Uh, you know, some people have an audience that's very wide and they're not very connected. Your audience goes deep. I mean, on your, the, particularly the, the the private Facebook page for uh, widows and widowers, a, a day does not go by where there's not multiple postings. And that's really unusual in social media. You have a very engaged audience. And that's that's amazing. That's why we like you, Ivan. You tell us nice things. You tell us more nice things. <laughs> We're ready. Well, I tell you the truth. Thank you. So I want to hear a little bit more about your life with Elizabeth. Well, Elizabeth uh, was an, an amazing woman. We had an agreement early on that I would make the living and she would make the living worthwhile. And uh, that was uh, the dedication on one of my books uh, to her. It, there's just no doubt she brought color into my black and white world. I'm a left brain business guy. 
And she, uh, she, she was very colorful and very personable. I mean, everybody loved uh, Elizabeth. She got along well with virtually everyone. Um, and she was really my Mrs. Adams. I'll give you perspective. Uh, John Adams. Um, oh, I, I thought you were going to say the Adams family. <laughs> I know. I was like, where is this going? The Adams family? I know. Who's Uncle Fester in this <laughs> no, scenario? No, no, not the Adams family. I'm talking about the president of the United States. You know where uh, our brains John are Adams. now. Okay. John Adams, go. <laughs> well, his wife, Ab- <laughs> guys cracking up. his wife, uh, Abigail, he would, she was his most valued confidant. He would go to her and ask her opinion on so many things. And she greatly influenced his decision-making as president and, and before becoming president. And she was my Mrs. Adams. Uh, I went to her all the time and asked her opinion on really important decisions. I don't think I ever did a speech without running it by her first. And she she got a lot of the dry run of my talks and all my jokes and stories. I felt bad for her because she'd come to these events and there'd be, you know, a thousand people and I'd get up and I could almost see her lip sync my stories because she just knew me so well and knew all my stuff, but she never minded. She always loved going there. She was the first person to stand, um, you know, in standing ovation. She would get everybody else to stand. So uh, I, she was an amazing woman. I hear she had a musical talent. She did, yeah. She, as a matter of fact, she had a scholarship to school uh, with the oboe. And she was really, really good with the oboe and got a pretty close to a full ride scholarship um, because she was an oboe player. But she also played the piano and um, mostly piano and and, and the oboe. We just say the oboe is very hard to play and you have to make your own reads and you have to keep the orchestra in tune because that's what everybody tunes to. So the fact that she was a really good oboist Speaks volumes, as well as pianist. I was just thinking that it was funny that if you get your degree in oboeing, you end up working at BNI. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of the ultimate musician joke (laughs) reality. Ironically, she played instruments and she got a scholarship for that, but her degree was actually in spiritual formation. What What is that? It, it religious, you know, religious degree. Uh, we're not talking religion, but <laughs> she had a degree and a master's degree in religious formation. So she had both a bachelor's and a master's in, in, in religion. Okay, I have a question about that. Because, you know, we've, we've chatted with Ivan on several occasions, and he comes to our Zoom meetings. So we're privy to some information that, you know, the general population hasn't heard yet. But you expressed to us before that you're not particularly religious. How did that go with somebody who had a So we're going into religion after all, are we? We don't have to go into specifics, but but the two of you kind of had different backstories, it sounds like, in that regard. We did. You know, and and what's interesting is we kind of came together over the years. We were married 31 years, and we kind of came together over the years. I I recommended a book many times on the Facebook group, um, Journey of Souls, and um, very spiritual book, not religious. And I think uh, the two of us kind of uh, uh, came together with that kind of, of mentality. And, and I'd highly recommend that book to people, whether whether you have a religious background or not. I love 
journey of souls and destiny of souls and it's true i second that that it is one to be read so you and elizabeth you have had children correct yeah uh, well she and i had two children and she adopted uh, my eldest daughter and um and so uh, she we have three kids and um uh, you know she was just an amazing mom and an amazing stepmom at first and then eventually a, a mother to my eldest so what happened? Well, Elizabeth had um, breast cancer, and, uh, and she really uh, addressed it the same way that I addressed my cancer diagnosis uh, holistically. And she went into remission from the cancer. You know, things were going great. Uh, we were really living the life that we had built together, um, you know, 30 years together. And, and, you know, we talked about eventually retiring or at least me slowing down and spending more and more time together. And and we were starting to do that. And about a year and a half, two years ago, she just started not feeling right. And she had an MRI with contrast and from that got gadolinium poisoning, which is rare. Not too many people have a reaction to gadolinium like she did, um, but it, she, you know, couldn't process the gadolinium out of her body, and so was having a lot of pain. And it was getting worse and worse and worse to the point where the last two months of her life, she was in she was in so much pain, and she wouldn't take painkillers because she didn't want to. It hurt her liver. She wanted to process the gadolinium out. And so she was in so much pain. I was for probably six weeks, maybe two months. I was up every two hours with her putting ice packs on her uh, to help with the pain because the most she would take is, is Tylenol. She wouldn't take anything else. And it was getting worse and worse. I finally brought in uh, someone to help care for her during the day while I was working. And she was seeing a medical doctor as well as the holistic doctors. And this whole process lasted eight months, two months really bad. And uh, she went to a medical doctor and the medical doctor um, did some tests and came back and said, you know, in addition to the gadolinium poisoning, this might be a return of the cancer that you had. And from that day, she had eight days to live. So it was sort of the worst of both worlds. It was a protracted illness, and then it was a quick death. I, I was just in shock that the cancer came back and that she literally just had eight days after she got that diagnosis. She and I both thought she would recover from the gadolinium poisoning. And what, what happened really was the gadolinium kind of masked the return of the cancer. And even the medical doctor didn't see it, but she, she didn't want to do too many uh, invasive kind of tests. She was very holistic minded. And unfortunately, the, the cancer came back during, during this um, gadolinium poisoning that she had. I've never even heard of gadolinium poisoning. So that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Is it radioactive? No, it's a heavy metal. If you do a search on... Um, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> No, no. Uh, the martial arts Rex guy. Kondo. No, <laughs> although although karate, uh, he he played uh, Texas Ranger. Oh, Chuck, Chuck Norris. Norris. Chuck Norris. Yes, thank you. Chuck Norris's wife 
had a serious, serious uh, gadolinium uh, poisoning case. And if you do a search on the internet for his wife, you'll find a, a lot of information about that. And Elizabeth just immersed herself in that information. When you have gadolinium poisoning, is it just something that you just have to kind of wait out? There's not really a treatment for it or anything to do about it? There's really no treatment for it. Uh, you know, you, you can do things to help process it out, but uh, some bodies just have a hard time processing out heavy metals. And, um, and unfortunately, she was one of them. Um, you know, I've had MRIs with contrast several times, and I, you know, I have no problem processing the, the heavy metal, but, but she did. Heavy the heavy metal. metal. <laughs> Not that kind of heavy metal, the bad kind. You're suddenly a widower and your world has just fallen apart and you didn't expect to be in that position, right? So what Not do you all. do? Look, she was eight years younger than me. Mm. And you ladies have a tendency to live longer than us guys. All the planning I did, everything I did in my uh, planning for the future was that she would survive longer than me, probably 10 to 20 years longer than me. And, um, and so I was completely blindsided by her passing. Didn't she have some wishes for you in case she died? She did. The last day she was uh, conscious, uh, she, she basically went into a coma uh, for almost two days. Uh, but right before she went to sleep that night, she out of the blue told me, she started talking to me about getting remarried. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, hang on, you know, we'll get through this. You're, you're going to be okay. And she told me who to marry. I mean, she gave me names and she told me who not to marry. <laughs> she gave me names and, and she's like naming this this one particular woman. And I'm like, she said, you can't marry her. And I said, why would I marry her? And she said, well, she has been after you for years. And I'm like, she's not after me. Yes, she is. I, I watch her and she's definitely after you. And I'm like, okay, I promise you, I will not marry uh, that woman. And uh, yeah, so she told me who to marry, who not to marry. Okay. I'm curious though. Did the person you're not supposed to marry, did she come on the prowl? after Elizabeth died. Was, was Elizabeth right? Um, so there are creepers who are women as well as men. So yes. The oval player's <laughs> always right. Yeah. Yeah, a little, little bit, a little bit. I, I kind of shut it down. You've told us how you kind of came upon our podcast and what you thought of us at first. And I want you to share that with, <laughs> with the people listening now. Yeah, I, I'm a member of an organization called the Transformational Leadership Council, which was started by Jack Canfield, and uh, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. And um, one of the members, Martin Root, good friend, one of your listeners recommended uh, the podcast to him because he, he knew that Martin knew me. And so Martin suggested your podcast. And um, <laughs> I went and listened, <laughs> and listened to it. And it was... I listened to it. I was like, what the hell? Why did you recommend this podcast? You know, the, the two of you are just going, yuck, 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 yuck. All this, all, all this energy going at each other and, and not negatively, but just, you know, and, and I, I, 
I didn't get it. And I reached out to Martin and I was like, Martin, why did you recommend this podcast? You know, I, I, don't, I don't understand. And um, his friend said, uh, look, um, listen to a second one. <laughs> Just get past the first one. Listen to a second one. And, you know, I was listening to a podcast expecting, you know, something a little more scientific or <laughs> actionable. <laughs> Helpful. But you know what? Let's talk about actionable because I have gotten a lot of actionable things uh, out of your podcast, but maybe not the first one I listened to. But I listened to the second one and it drew me in. It, it absolutely drew me in. And, you know, you, you talked about things that that resonated with me. And so I, I listened to that third one and then that fourth one. And by the fourth one, I was totally in. <laughs> and I, I listen, I've learned a lot from listening to your podcast, things that I realized I did wrong when I, uh, you know, in B&I, been doing this 30 years, I've had a number of people who've passed away. And I came to the conclusion that I've said the wrong thing to people uh, many times, you know, like, you'll get through this, you know, just be patient. You know, I'm trying to make it right. I tried to solve their grief, which obviously is not the right thing to do. Oh, so one of the things that you guys talk about is to meet people where they are in the grief process. And it, that happened to be one of the first podcasts I listened to, probably one of the fourth or fifth podcasts. It was called Meet Me Where I Am. <laughs> Did you remember the title? <laughs> That's the podcast name, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that actually was helpful to me um, in, in recognizing what I did wrong in talking to people who were going through grief and, um, and in understanding, you know, when people are talking to me and talking about getting through it, um, recognizing that they're you know, they're muggles, as you guys like to say, and they don't know any better. Ivan, so you have this big company and you're a fancy pants and all of these things. <laughs> fancy pants. Yes. Okay. You know, in the United Kingdom, fan fancy pants means something okay. completely different. I, will, I rescind my, my declaration. <laughs> we do love the fancy pants community. We'll call you a fancy shirt. You're a fancy shirt. Okay, thanks. And then you lose your wife. Yeah. And how do you keep doing all of the things that you're supposed to be doing? You have all these people who, you know, you're interacting with and you're supposed to give speeches and all of these things and your world just collapsed. Yeah, it really did. It was such a shock to me. I, I remember oh gosh, for, for many months, I would walk up to her urn and just yell, you know, bad word, bad word, bad word. What am I going to do now? <laughs> quack, quack, quack. Thank you for saying bad word for our mothers. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, it's a great way of swearing, by the way. Just say bad word. And everybody <laughs> knows exactly what you're, what you're thinking. But it, it, was, it was challenging. I found that for me, and look, when it comes to business, I have answers. When it comes to grief, I have experiences. And my experiences may or may not resonate with others listening to this podcast. For me, my work uh, was a way to get away from my grief momentarily. 
for a period of time. I found it most difficult after hours. You know, I would go in, focus, do what I have to do. Um, and then at the end of the day, when I didn't have anything else to do, anybody else to talk to, that's when the grief probably hit me more than any other time. And, and another thing from your, you know, talk about actionable. Another thing from your podcast that really resonated with me was that grief is patient. I mean, I experienced that where I'm doing just fine. Everything's okay one day. And then something happens that just triggers me. And it's like, where did that come from? You know, why did that uh, trigger me the way it did? And, and you, you know, your podcast helped me frame in my mind why I was thinking the things I was thinking, why I was experiencing the things that I was experiencing. And, and I'm, I'm really glad that Martin introduced me. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> so Ivan, as you know, there are less widowers than widows in the world. And, and we've had a handful of widowers on our podcast, but it's always interesting to get the unique perspective from the male point of view, because as we've talked about before, males are perhaps less prone to talk about emotional things, things of that nature. What has it been like for you coming from the actionable business world, like, you know, get the stuff done. And now you're dealing with this emotion. What, what is this journey looked like for you so far? What has surprised you? Well, in, in, again, in one of your podcasts, you talk about the fact that um, oftentimes men, the only person that they really uh, talk to is their wife, is their spouse. And wow, that was so true for me. You know, um, I'm not much of a sports guy or a car guy, but you know, when you when you're talking to, to men and you start getting to emotional stuff, it's like, hey, how, how about those Lakers? Aren't they doing well? <laughs> and you know, they they just they don't know how. Most men do not know how to deal with uh, deep emotions coming from another man. And, and I certainly would say I'm probably one of those. And um, it, 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 was, it, it was interesting to listen to the two of you talk through things that I couldn't talk with people about. Um, but I could hear you guys talk about these things. And I think that's one of the, the things that kind of drew me in is that, um, you know, listening to you talk about things that I was thinking and feeling, but not really having anyone that I felt comfortable with, even another woman. Um, you know, I, it just felt odd to have a conversation with, you know, and I have several close female friends, just didn't feel right talking about such personal things with even a female friend. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Do you feel like there's, there's historically, or I think, I think we're changing this a little bit, but that there's been this feeling that you don't air your dirty laundry. You know, you keep the things that are hard or sensitive or painful. You kind of keep those close and you don't share those with other people. And so it's almost like we're conditioned that those things that make us look weak or that make us, you know, look like we're maybe not coping well. We just keep that to ourselves and we don't share that with yeah, others. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it's uh, part of our DNA or or 
if it's cultural, um, but it's real. Uh, I just have found that most men don't really talk to each other. You know, I, I would watch Elizabeth have conversations and she'd come back, you know, to me, maybe she'd go out with to lunch with a, a couple of girlfriends and come back and talk about these things that, uh, you know, that they discussed that I'd be thinking, Oh my God, I'd never talk about that with one of my <laughs> guy friends. You know, I would never talk about that. I can't believe that you would have this kind of conversation. So I don't know what it is, but women are way better. Look, Not all women and not all men are like I'm describing, but I think it's safe to say that as a rule, women are way better at talking through their feelings than we are. And I think that's one of the reasons why I loved your podcast so much or love your podcast so much is, is it's a way of me processing the things that I don't talk about with other men. Now you can tell me you don't want to answer this if you want to, but did you try therapy at all? I did. And, and uh, you know, I have a family therapist that uh, has worked with my kids over the years. Um, but I, I really didn't talk a lot about um, my feelings and, and Elizabeth's passing. My discussions with her were, how am I now going to be um, a single parent? To my adult children, um, you know, luckily my children are adults and I'm not in a position where I have to raise my kids um, like you do, Anita. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't imagine. Do you want um, to adopt one or more? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll babysit for a day, but uh, that's probably about it. <gasps> don't uh, offer no, that, no. Ivan. If you're not serious, don't you tease me like that. I don't think you know what you're signing up for. <laughs> You know what? See, all I have are grand dogs. So, uh, you know, I, I have no grandchildren, which is, by the way, a, a topic that you don't bring up with your kids. They, they don't they don't, yeah, they don't uh, like that. Very all, much. The, all those books organized behind you in the bookshelf. Just pull those all out, throw them on the floor, light one or two on fire. That's what it would be like. <laughs> oh, my house is definitely not child. So. <laughs> that's that's what I thought. I mean, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, that's the discussion I had with with her was, you know, what, what do I, how do I do this? Um, I, you know, Elizabeth was great with our kids. Uh, she was such a great listener, and you know, I, and and that's really kind of the conclusion that I came to is uh, more than I used to just shut up and listen and ask questions, you know, ask how they're doing. And when they have an issue, just listen. And she was really good at that. And I'm a solver. Tell me the problem. I'll fix it. And that's not always the best approach. So I have a question about your kids. When I call my parents' house, it's like, is mom there? You know, if my dad answers the phone, is mom there? You know, did your kids, I mean, I feel like that was probably their go-to when Elizabeth was here, did did they have to transition into wanting to talk to you? Does that make sense? Was it a natural, like, I'm going to go talk to dad? I mean, I, I talked to them, but not as often as Elizabeth did. You're right. They would they would call her probably more than me. What was really interesting was um, they started calling me a lot more. Hmm. And what, one of the things I, I um, discovered was right after Elizabeth died, um, they would call very regularly 
And then I noticed after a couple of weeks that they were alternating. <gasps> they are that, so sneaky. <laughs> and I, I didn't know this until a couple of months later, but they had actually uh, spoken to each other and divvied up days of the week where <laughs> one would call me on one day and then a couple of days later, another would call me and then a couple of days later, the third one would call me and they would alternate just to make sure that I was okay and you know, the, the, the favorite question that most that my children had and almost every woman I knew and know had was, are you eating? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so they would always ask, you know, are you eating, dad? Is everything OK? How are you doing? So, yeah, yeah, they, they, they were they were cute. They they divvied up the days of the week to call me. They totally had a Google Doc going on <laughs> yeah it probably did so you mentioned that elizabeth was supportive of you potentially finding somebody after her passing what's that looking like for you now well it's it's looking reasonably well and i think it's really important to understand that i felt i needed to navigate my way through my grief with a purpose in mind and you know i i wanted to live a life contentment, of peace, of harmony, maybe even happiness. And so it was really a matter of how I looked at the world. You know, I think two people sitting in a room at the same table, having the same meal at the same time can actually be worlds apart because they look at the world uh, so differently. Uh, I, I love astronomy. And uh, I've learned that by choosing different lenses or filters for my telescope, I can literally observe different things in the night sky. Uh, like if I, if I look at the moon through my telescope, it's so bright. It's like walking into a pitch black room and, and turning on bright lights. It hurts your eyes. But yet if you put a filter on it, things just uh, jump out. The, the, the craters of the moon jump out. And on a different lens, you can see the red spot on Jupiter or, the, or Saturn's rings. And I believe that life is kind of similar in the sense that the lens we choose to see the world through can really influence the things that we experience. What you put in your brain shows up in your behavior. And, and so I wanted to be open-minded to finally get to your question. I, I wanted to be open-minded about, about dating again. But I was shocked at how quickly I met somebody. I mean, it was about six, seven months um, after Elizabeth passed away. And um, I was actually, you know, this referral thing actually works out pretty well. Um, a friend who is partners with Jack Canfield, her, her name is Patty. Um, Patty said, hey, uh, Ivan, I, there's a, a woman that I would like, um, I think you'd like to meet. And she lived in California. And I'm like, Okay. And she said, uh, you know, can I introduce her to you on Zoom? And I said, okay. And so I, I met uh, Jody on, on a Zoom call, just her and I and, and Patty. And Patty was really good. She, you know, was there long enough to make the introduction. And then, oh, I got to go away for a couple minutes and stepped away. And, and Jody and I uh, talked and um, we texted each other for you know, better part of a month and kind of got to know each other, mostly through texts of all things. And we started talking about wine. I love wine. And I said, gee, I haven't been to Napa in a long time. And she said, you know, I, I've never been, well, I haven't really uh, seen many wineries in Napa. 
And so uh, I invited her to Napa Valley and um, we met for the first time about a month or so after we met by Zoom. And I've been seeing her ever since. And she's a huge surprise in my life. You know, not something I expected. The dating world has changed a lot. Yeah. Well, and I probably would never do, um, I mean, never say never, but it's unlikely that I would ever do uh, an app or an online uh, dating service. And I'll tell you why. I, and I, I don't understand this, but I get people who pretend to be me on a lot of these dating apps. And we're constantly trying to shut down people who show up on Facebook or show up on dating apps and they're imposters. And so I, I just would probably never do a dating app because I've had too many imposters um, on the dating apps. So good old referral. That's the way to go. <laughs> That's the best way. So you and Elizabeth were together for quite a while and had your own life and habits. How has that been navigating a new person also while still caring for Elizabeth? You know, the, the, the woman that I'm seeing, I, I went out a couple of times before I went out with her and there just was no connection. But the woman I'm seeing now is, uh, she's amazing. The first time she came here to my house, she called me up uh, the day before, I think it was, and said, um, look, you were married for 31 years. You probably have photographs of Elizabeth all around the house. Please don't take any down. Um, you know, that's a relationship that, that um, was important to you. And I don't want you to be uncomfortable with, with your home and, and, and photos. Um, now, I, I didn't tell her this. I don't know if she's going to listen to this or not. I had no intention of taking any photographs down. But the fact that she brought it up um, really told me a lot about her. And this was the second time. By the way, as of, as of this interview... We've been on nine dates for 63 days. What? Whoa. You have the longest dates of anybody I've ever met. Every single date with her has been uh, four days or longer. <laughs> She's really trusting because if you were a psycho murderer, she would be dead already. She would be hidden in that wine cellar. I know. Well, so, you know, on our first date in Napa Valley, we have a mutual friend and the mutual friend said to her, and, and Jody's basically been single for 10 years and really hasn't dated a lot because she was raising her kids. And uh, Patty, our mutual friend, you know, basically said, look, I know him well. You can trust him. He's a good guy. And so she was pretty comfortable. And, um, you know, I, I took her to Napa and I said, look, separate rooms. It's all good. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be anything weird. And we had a wonderful trip. And so I started, I actually, you know, being the business guy, I'm, I actually have an, I'm almost embarrassed to admit this. I actually have an Excel spreadsheet <laughs> of how many dates we've had and how many days each one has been. I've been. And we, you know, we joke around about, uh, you know, date number 9.1, 9.2, 9.3. series was series. It's like an iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. 9.10. So we had uh, 10, day, 10 days on our ninth date. I know, really strange, isn't it? <laughs> it's very logical, though. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. I understand. 
So Ivan, I want to share with our listeners just a little bit about how you have helped us. And, you know, we've talked about on the podcast about how things have just fallen into place when they've needed to fall into place. And we feel like we've been pushed by something other than just two weird widows, like in their basement recording on microphones. But, you know, we were trying to figure out how to make the podcast go forward and how to, you know, how to keep it going on all of these things. And, you know, this, this weird guy named Ivan had messaged us and we didn't know who you were or what you were or anything about you. And then you plop into our laps. I mean, Ivan, the business guy who knows all of the things, plops into our laps and is like, let me, you know, let me help you. And we're like, okay, (laughs) you know, and it's just, it's kind of shown us that what we're doing needs to keep going because those kind of things don't fall into your lap for no reason is kind of how we feel. Probably not. And, um, you know, I plopped into your lap, as you say, uh, because of the things you guys are doing. I mean, <clears throat> I really believe we all have people that are in our story, people that have made a difference in our life. I mean, I could tell you stories about people that did something small or something huge that just changed the trajectory of my life in a positive way. And it's it's great to have um, people in our story. But the thing that's more important is it's not who's in our story, but whose story are we in? Whose life have we made a difference in? Um, and, and you ladies are making a huge difference in a lot of people's lives. And um, I, I just think that's really important. And that's why I wanted to uh, support what you're doing, because you, you certainly made a difference in my life at a time in my life where I didn't think I would need someone to make a difference in my life. You know, my life was pretty well set. It's so interesting. And we we say this often to each other that it's so interesting how the widowed community comes together and how in some ways you feel a connection like a family, even though we're not, you know, of course related, but it seems that we all are here to help each other out. And it's been really encouraging, I know, for us as as we interview people and we learn of their stories and as we're in the Facebook group and seeing all the support and and help that's given there, how caring these people are to other total strangers. I mean, even just this last week, one of our widows was struggling with with an issue and needed some help with it. And somebody offered a suggestion that ended up being the thing that was really going to help. And, and it, these are not like trite things. It's like, we, we talk about things and they're like mental health or doctors or things like that. And for total strangers, just to never have met each other, but then they're in this group and then they each become a part of their own story, each other's stories. It's, it feels just like, I don't know, the universe is, pleased or striving or whatever it is. But yeah, it's something that's kind of indescribable, I think. It really is. Uh, You know, what I've seen is on the Facebook group, just people come together and be there for each other and be there in a really non-judgmental way. And that's one of the things that really amazed me about the, the, the Facebook group in particular was how people would offer advice and suggestions gently and non-judgmentally, uh, and, and 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 that's again a testament to you, ladies, because you don't, I'm guessing, tolerate 
posts that are really judgmental. I mean, I don't see them. I'm guessing at some point you have taken things down that maybe were out of line, but um, I, I haven't seen it on, on your group. And, and that's a testament to your leadership. I don't know. There may have been one or two, but we really, it's been eye-opening to us that we have not had to really take things down. And I know that there there are hot topics in there, like the word dead versus passed away, or like certain certain words that people who are closer to the date of death are more sensitive about than maybe those a few years out. And so we have all sorts of people in their various time frames of healing. And I know it's easy to forget if you're four years out, it's easy to forget how it was when it was two months out and the certain sensitive words. And and it's just been mind-blowing to watch people in whatever part of their journey they're in to handle everybody with care and in the right way and offer advice or just offer empathy or a listening ear. So we have to really also give credit to everybody for being so awesome and rad. It's it's mind-blowing because I, don't, I can't think of many groups that I'm in where where it just naturally is like that. I would agree. And and I think, you know, you've attracted this group of people, um, it, you know, things like this come, they really happen from the top and you've attracted uh, amazing people who are making a huge difference for uh, a lot of us. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I reached out to you ladies. I don't know how long ago, six, eight months ago. What's coming up for you in your life? I mean, there's kind of a few small things that you've got planned for the future, right? Like just little, like, just little like tiny little ones. excursions, trips, places you might visit. Gee, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the ones a little bit longer than 52 steps from your main house to your office. Yeah. What do you got going on? You really want me to go there? You have to. It's um, so awesome. You can't not. We always, you've heard our Patreon shout out, Ivan the astronaut Meisner. <laughs> And where did you ladies come up with Ivan the Meisner? That cracked me up. If you think we think through anything, you're so confused. Ivan. in the moment at all times. It was in the moment. Yeah. So uh, I signed up to be a Virgin Galactic astronaut uh, 14 years ago. I did a long time ago. I was actually on, uh, I just came back from Necker Island. You probably saw uh, that I was there at Branson's Island. And the first time I was there, um, on one of the last days, he he got us together in the great room and he said, I got something really cool you guys want to see. And he pops in this DVD and it's this concept of taking a spaceship, um, or, you know, a, a jet up and dropping a spaceship from it and launching into space and doing it as commercial flights. And we watched this and I, like we're all in awe. And he looked at me and he said, you should do this. And I said, yes, I'm in. I'll do it. And of course, Elizabeth was with me and she's like, What? <laughs> you're going to do what? Uh, but I was in. And so I signed up um, back in 2007 or 8 um, to be a Virgin Galactic astronaut. Did you sign Elizabeth up too? I did. <gasps> um, I know. I know. So now uh, now I've got to deal with that. It's a whole other... Do you, did they give you refunds for deceased No, persons? but... Can Anita go with you? No, I don't want to go with oh, Can so I go scary. with you? I'll do it. <laughs> Uh, so I've got that. And then um, I'm uh, headed to Antarctica. For why? Why does somebody do that? Are you exploring new territories? Like, are you yes, making well, maps? Yes. Well, I wanted to put a B&I chapter there. <laughs> the- okay, perfect. They need one. <laughs> Ivan, I want to ask you a question. For the astronaut thing, 
do you have to do any training or do you just have to like sit in a place and they do everything and you just sit there? Well, there's a little bit of training, but you're basically just a passenger. So there's not a lot, but yeah. And you know, you got to uh, have a physical, uh, but the, you know, a lot of that will wait until they really start uh, flying commercially. And, but yeah, there'll be a little bit of training and there'll be some, um, you know, the, a, a physical uh, tests that you have to, to pass to get through. How long will you actually be in space? So the flight is about two hours, but you're only in space for like 10 minutes. But you get astronaut wings when you come back. You're an astronaut. Do they let you unclip your seatbelt and like float around for 10 minutes? Yes. Stop it. Why do you not want to go? I will go. <laughs> I don't think you're invited, number one. I know I'm not invited. I am I just support you, but I'm jealous. I support well, thank your you. astronaut I dreams. That. <laughs> wow. Are you going to eat yeah. in space? They gonna No, no eating. No, yeah, I mean, you're only two hours, so. Okay. Yeah, but what about, like, the drink? Like, you have to have the mid-flight drinks. Uh, I'll, I'll suggest that to them and see what they say. I have a question for you for widowers. So, you're an actionable kind of a guy. I am. And guys like actionable things. Girls do, too, but a lot of times, you know, we're, we have the spectrum. What are some actionable tips that you feel would help widowers or widows that like actionable things. Look, so here, here we get into the, I can talk about my experiences, but everybody has, you know, they're experiencing uh, grief differently. I see some of the people on the Facebook group that take a month off because they just can't work. I didn't, I mean, I took maybe a week off and I wanted to get back uh, to work. Because, first of all, I love what I do. I, I think, you know, you're either working in your flame or working in your wax. And when you're in your flame, you're on fire, you're excited, you love what you do. When you're in your wax, it just takes all your energy away. But what I do, I, I'm working in my flame. I love what I do. And so for me, it was about getting back to work and, and, and doing the things I love. And it was a distraction from my grief. Um, but I also wanted to be alone. I didn't want people around. And some people want you know people around them. I, I certainly needed to be around my kids. But other than my children, I didn't, I didn't want to see people. I had a really good friend who called me up and he said, I'm flying out there tomorrow. And I'm like, no, please don't. And he's like, no, no, you need someone with you. And I'm like, no, please don't. He's like, nah, I'm getting a ticket. I'm flying. I'm like, you don't know the gate code. You're not going to get through the gate. <laughs> and, um, and I, you know, I have a, I, I have a, a pretty pretty good friend who's a member of TLC, uh, John Gray. You know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Oh, I thought you were like TLC, like the band. The, no, the Transformational Leadership Council. He's a member of the Transformational Leadership Council. He wrote the book, uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. So I, I reached out to John and I, and I said, look, um, you know, I've got all these people. They want to come to my house and I just want to be alone. I mean, is that weird? And, um, you know, God bless him. He was, he, he was like, no, it's not weird. That's, you know, it, it, it was, it was sort of the kind of stuff that you guys talk about in your podcasts before I was listening to your podcast, which was, you know, people just need to meet you where you are. I mean, he didn't say that, but that's pretty much the message, which was, you know, it's okay if you want to be alone. And he knew what he was talking about because his wife had died like a year earlier. And so he had been through something very similar um, and he wanted to be alone. So, I mean, I think you need to, to 
do the things that you feel um, you have to do. Don't don't judge yourself by what other people are doing. You know, judge yourself by what you feel you need. I think I'm remembering yeah. this correctly, but correct me if I'm wrong. I I think I remember a time in the Widow Wives Club where somebody was having an issue and you offered some advice that I thought was like brilliant. And it was something like when, with regard to going through what we all go through as grievers and what we're going to deal with people who do not understand and who might say things or we might interpret things a certain way and it can be hurtful and we are learning how to deal with it with this kind of new brain that we are dealing with. And I, you said something that struck me as so profound and you offered the advice to the person to say something like, I am not that person. You look at, at somebody, um, like, like oftentimes it's the in-laws, the mother-in-law or father-in-law will say something. And, you know, you just have to say to yourself, um, I have a mother-in-law. I'm not my mother-in-law. I have a, a, a child. I'm not my child and differentiate. Um, yourself from that person. They're, they're having their own experience in life. Uh, it doesn't have to be your experience. So basically two lenses. Yeah. And people will say things that might trigger you. Um, sometimes you have to ask yourself, we didn't, I didn't talk about this on the, on the post, but sometimes you have to ask yourself, am I giving it the meaning that that person had when they said this to me. Sometimes we give meaning to things said to us that aren't real. They're our interpretation of what someone says. And, you know, I've certainly had people say things to me that um, didn't land well, but I had to recognize that they were feeling awkward about the situation and to give them, give them grace um, in the same way that I hoped that they gave me grace in dealing with the grief that I had. And most of the people were really good. I had one person that I went ballistic on. Wait, what happened? Tell us. We're here for it. Yeah. Okay. One person, it was a, it was a, a member who was about three months after Elizabeth died and they said, a, they sent a, a private message. They were having a problem in their group and they literally said, I'm not exaggerating it's time to let go of your grief and handle this issue. Oh, fail, fail. Yeah. That's the only person that I lost it with. You know, other people would say things and they would just bounce off me mostly. But that one, that one, I, I said, you know, I wrote back and I said, I cannot believe you actually said that. You are hereby banned from all my social media. Yes. I completely banned him from all my social media. King Ivan decreed him banned from his yes. kingdom. King yes. astronaut Ivan V. Meisner, TM, C, circle R. <laughs> circle R. Yes, my trademark. Uh, you guys have pointed that out a couple of times. The reason that I trademarked my name was to stop imposters. That's the only reason we know that story, actually. Yeah. Because <laughs> we talked about imposters one time. It works really well uh, when you have a trademark. You can't trademark a name by by itself, so that's why I, um, you know, I was able to get a trademark on Doctor Ivan Meisner, and I, I do that to stop people from 
saying things I didn't say or pretending to be me or that kind of Nobody crazy stuff. Nobody ever pretends to be me. You know, I was just going to say we should trademark the name Guru Melshore. Okay. And fancy person Anita Coyle. Oh, yeah. Those are trademarkable. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's do it. Okay. Let's I bet we'll get, zero, we'll get zero imposters. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, you mentioned something earlier about the wax and the flame. And I recognize that because I have this book right here in front of me called... Who's in your room that you so graciously sent to me when I asked? Because you had a cool thing in there about harmony and balance that resounded with me. And Ivan did not ask us to promote any of his materials, just FYI to those listening. But uh, we did read this book, and it's full of such helpful advice, and it's a quick read. So if you are looking for something to help kind of get your thoughts in order or to gain new perspective on maybe how to handle life or grief or just being a human on the planet check out his resources sorry did you like that plug we just made that up too. <laughs> i did thank you shameless plug i didn't suggest he it, did but, not um, no yeah i did, we you've just helped us so much and we love helping people just however we can too and it's really such helpful stuff I, I appreciate it. And I enjoyed doing that book. Um, it, it, uh, it doesn't really talk about grief. However, we're working on a second edition and I probably will put in material in there about grief as a result. What it does talk about that I think would resonate with the people in your community is the idea of um, creating a life of harmony. The balance is not possible. Uh, that we all shoot for balance, but uh, you know our lives are just too crazy. It's more of a juggling act than a balancing act. Uh, but you can't have a life of harmony. And um, to me, and I talk about it in the book. Uh, you know, one of the important things of creating a life of harmony is is to be fully present to whatever it is that you're experiencing. Um, be here now. Those simple words, wherever you are, be fully present to that. And that's one of the first steps in in harmony. And one of the things that Elizabeth taught me. Um, is in there uh, about margins, that you have to have margins in life. You have to create margins in your life where you can enjoy something, have a great experience, have some fun. And if we don't have margins in our life, the stress goes up exponentially. Oh, Ivan, thank you. Thank you for all of your support, all of your kind words. Thank you for being a valued member of the Widow Wives Club. Thank you for talking to us tonight. We made Ivan jump through all sorts of hoops to meet with us tonight. So we're really um, thankful for everything that you have done for us and for our community. And and hopefully people listening will have found something to grab onto. Thanks. I, I hope so. I, I, I got one other thought before we wrap Um for me, I found that grief began to fade when the memories brought peace along with the pain. When I could um, think of Elizabeth and our experiences together and look at photographs and, and have a warm feeling about what I remembered um, was the beginning of me starting to move my way through grief. You never, I think, never completely you know, it doesn't leave completely, but you can find um, a path through it. Boom. The astronaut has spoken. Well, if, if we have helped anybody in the world, it's due to people like you that are encouraging to us and you are helping us to resonate with others. So you are part of that resonation. Resonation? Is that the word? Resonance. You are part of that <laughs> resonance. All right, so you're going to give me the important question? Yeah, Ivan, the time has come to ask the important question. Are you ready? I, I, I'm 
fully prepared for it. Okay. <laughs> Actionable options only. What is your favorite cheese? Uh, I love this question. And, uh, you know, the first time I heard you ladies do this one, I'm like, what the heck? What? <laughs> Who cares about cheese? But now I, 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 <laughs> I listen to all the podcasts to find out what cheese people like. Um, <laughs> and other things. But I like, I always stick to the end to hear this. Uh, so mine, I, I think you'll like, um, drunken goat cheese. We saw that today at the store. I've never seen it in my life. Mm-hmm. It's true. We even took a video of it. <laughs> it's great cheese, and and it's um, prepared. It, they actually uh, had the, they put the cheese in um, a wine paste that makes the the, the shell of the cheese red, uh, and and the, usually the shell is is edible, and so it's got a, a mild you know wine flavor on the on the edge of the cheese. Love all I eat is goat cheese. So uh, I love drunken goat. Mel told me we couldn't buy it. So now she's bad. <gasps> Mel. <laughs> we got other things. We got the illegal cheese. We found the illegal cheese that Jenny Lisk likes today in Southern Utah. So it's legal there. There's a lot of things legal there maybe that aren't legal as well. <laughs> if any of you would like to help us get the drunken goat cheese, we have a Patreon. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you, Ivan. Thank you for the cheese suggestion on top of the other things that you've told us. Remember to check out the Widow Wives Club. Come be part of the community that we've talked a lot about in this interview today. It's a private Facebook group for widows, widowers, or people who have lost their partner. Make sure you answer all the questions because we're really not going to let you in if you don't answer all the questions and we feel badly about it. If you'd like to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash WWDN. We have four tiers starting at just $5 per month, which is only one taco. And if you want to buy us a taco, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash widowwedonow. And until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Ivan. And we're just two young widows and an Antarctic explorer slash astronaut slash wine connoisseur slash author slash entrepreneur. Circle R. We're all just trying to figure out Widow Widow We we Do do Now. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. 
And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trimintmobile.com slash WWDN.